G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Now today I'd like to introduce you to Sawyer Hogenkamp who is doing a Master of Education under the supervision of Dr Ben Bolden. Welcome to Grad Chat Sawyer. Thank you. Now can you give us a bit of a background of what you've studied prior to coming to Queen's to do your Master's in Education because People in the graduate program of education don't necessarily have necessarily the, the, the traditional educational background that people consider. So, so what was yeah. your background? Well, I do have the traditional background. When I was in high school, I decided I kind of wanted to be a teacher. So I pursued an undergraduate degree where I majored in my interests, so music mm-hmm. and uh, geography. Oh, okay. And I did that at University of Waterloo with the intent of uh, attending Teachers College. And I was able to sneak in uh, for the last of the one-year uh, cohort in uh, Teachers College right. uh, here at Queen's. And right. I think I graduated in 2015. Got it. And then uh, I took a year off to do some supply teaching, and then I decided to come back and do graduate work. Okay, so this is going to bring us to your topic now, which for everyone, the topic is bus drivers' perceptions of bullying on the bus, which, as I said in the beginning, is going to be something that's very important for parents to to listen to because we we see the shows where you know kids are getting bullied on the bus and outside the bus but particularly on the bus and it is a closed environment and more often than not there is only one adult on those buses which is the driver whose who's, his or hers main job is to drive them safely not necessarily see what's going on behind them so can you give us a bit of an overview of that study and why did you choose that particular topic Sure. I can give a little bit about my background. So I grew up in rural southwestern Ontario, and I rode the bus for 13 years. Right. Some of those rides. In high school, it was about 45 minutes to an hour one way. So you spend a lot of time on the bus. You do. And you see a lot of things on the bus, and you experience, even just my experience as a child, I found it interesting how I interacted with my peers on the bus was different than how I interacted with them at school. Oh, okay. So that seeded my interest. Mm-hmm. In that, once I thought about attending graduate school, I was thinking of how I could contribute to the field. And then I looked and I realized there really isn't a lot of research on school buses at all, let alone bullying on school buses. But again, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. bullying can be worse on school buses because of uh, predominantly a lack of supervision. So I decided to focus my, my studies. What I decided to do was to recruit bus drivers to complete a survey. So I had them complete a survey about their perception of bullying. Right. And I decided to talk to school bus drivers because I surmised that they party that aren't really necessarily included as, as school personnel. They're almost like, like a satellite thing. Right, At the end right. of the day, as a teacher or as a principal, your job is over when they when they get on the bus. Right. But in reality, the school bus is still school property. And oh, it is? You, yes. Oh, okay. you, you are. And that is the school's responsibility to keep children safe uh, uh, during their transportation. Okay. And that's how it falls under the education theme then. Absolutely. Right. So when there's problems on the bus, you are, it is up to the school to uh, discipline children. And so looking at that interplay between schools and, and, and the school bus drivers, and the school bus companies was interesting to me. Like I said, I, I gave uh, school bus drivers a survey and then about almost half of the bus drivers that completed the survey opted into interviews. So I, I had some lengthy conversations That's fantastic. Uh, with bus drivers. 
That's really good because, I mean, in a, doing a master's, it's not that long. So it's good that you're able to get these going, which is kind of one of the questions I have. Was it actually easy to get permission to interview the bus drivers? And what was the process for that? Because sure. you've just told me that the bus system is still really part of the school system. But I thought they were private companies. Well, they are, but they still fall under the Ministry of Education okay. guidelines as school personnel. So they are they are part of that. Right. Now, I haven't seen... Typically, uh, you might see a court case or something that challenges that legislation. I haven't seen anything publicized that has tested that. For instance, in Ontario, I haven't seen a bus driver argue that they were or were not responsible for students that are being bullied on on school buses in that regard. So will you get permission through the school board or through their company? Right. So in terms of getting permission in in education, typically we have a hard time doing research when we're studying children. Yes. Uh, that's very difficult. Right, but, uh, research ethics. Yeah. and Yeah, in the education department, we're very good at getting that permission. We're, right. we're expert at that. But when you're interviewing adults, it's much, much, much easier. How I recruited my bus drivers was I, I used social media. Oh, okay. um, I've picked a region in Ontario that had a large social media presence. Uh, uh, with a community of school bus drivers and I just put the survey out there and that let me reach the bus drivers that were on social media and active in in following uh, and having a community. So you didn't have to go at a high level and ask their company? I did go at a high level. You still had to just to let them know you were doing this? Yes and and they are the ones that put out the message on my behalf Okay, and they they promoted it and really it was in everyone's best interest to, to, to do so because um, that conversation on bullying on school buses, even in the industry, sometimes it gets lost within uh, other more prudent issues like mm. uh, bus safety in general right? or, uh, you know, just simple misbehavior on the buses, things like that. So would you mind me asking what kind of questions you ask them then? Because there's only so much they can see while they're driving. Obviously, they're knowing things are going on. But so, so what kind of questions do you ask to pull out those perceptions of what they had. This sounds very simple, but uh, one of the issues with bullying research is how how you define bullying. Now, the Ministry of Education and the Education Act in Ontario defines bullying, and there's a set definition, and that definition school staff are legally bound to. Okay, so it makes sense to use that. Typically, bullying is, I think, uh, an action that's typically repeated. It's typically deliberate, and it's a form of aggression. Right, right more or less how the Education Act defines it. So I just asked bus drivers, uh, what is bullying to you? Right. So that's one of the simple questions. And again, a lot of them, virtually none of them matched the they, the Education mm-hmm. Act definition. But And I think if you asked anyone on the street, it wouldn't match. It wouldn't have all the components of what makes bullying bullying right. and what differentiates it from harassment or, or aggression just by itself. Right. So, so again, that's interesting to me me because Bill Bill 157 is legislation that states that if you witness bullying, you need to report it and investigate it. So okay. if your conception of bullying doesn't match that definition, then you're... Then uh, should you be? So there might be some issues there. Right. So that was interesting to me to, to, to pull that out. So what were some of the perceptions 
of the the bus drivers themselves have have they witnessed or or perceived what's going on or thought something was going on in the back of the bus on my survey over three quarters of them said they have witnessed bullying on the bus before with their group of students Mm -hmm. now in interviews what comes to light is how often they see it so some bus drivers really don't see much of it. They might just remember one or two really bad incidents in their uh, years and years of, of driving. Right. But other bus drivers see it more frequently. Okay. And what they see is they typically they typically see the verbal kinds where they hear raised voices or right. arguing, that kind of thing. And they see the physical bullying. They see the uh, pushing around and tripping. Right. And some bus drivers are very astute and notice the ostracizing that happens. And they notice when uh, students sit together and when they're not, that right. kind of thing. So that really surprised me that some of these bus drivers are really really watching their students and they know them very well. Well, that's good. And you, and if you think about it, it makes sense that a school bus driver would know the students very well, especially if they're driving mm-hmm. with them for hours a day. Yes. And they pick them up from their home. So they're the first and last person that uh, student sees every day. So, so, so these what, bus drivers have a connection with the students. So what are some of the things... That- did any of them tell you what they actually did if they knew something was going on? Because at the end of the day, they've still got to get the kids to school or yeah. home. Mm-hmm. So they're on a time time limit too, other than making sure that everyone's safe. Yeah. Well, there there's tried and true strategies that virtually all bus drivers use. And typically, if they see bullying, number one is a verbal warning, just to let them know, hey, I'm watching. Right. Now, if things escalate them from there, most bus drivers have assigned seats because uh, a lot of bus drivers uh, in Ontario, they transport kids from kindergarten all the way to grade 12. Right. So you need some sort of, organize- you need to have them organized. Typically, the young students at the front any old students at the back. Okay. However, some bus drivers, when they see certain pairings of students not working around, they'll, they'll, they'll move them around, just like a teacher would change the layout of their classroom. Okay. A bus driver would change the layout of their bus. Right. I didn't realize that. That's great. Yeah. Hopefully a, a simple solution. Yes. And so that worked. One of the best methods that a lot of bus drivers talk about is the time they stop the bus and then wouldn't move until the... <laughs> issue was resolved. <laughs> love it, love and, it. And the, mo- the bus drivers that were most effective at preventing bullying would talk about using peer pressure so they'd stop the bus and then the older students would say, hey, cut it out. And that was when, so when the bus drivers were able to gain the support of the other right. students, the students would sort of manage themselves. But it's nice if they can use the older students to to do the right thing. And that's assuming you've got a good bus <laughs> well, that's in terms th- of a good group of kids well, because you could have the opposite. Well, I think, again, some bus drivers say, oh, this year I have a good group of kids. And, this, right. and the other years I didn't. But other bus drivers don't resign to that labeling. They say they make their kids good uh, through consistency right. and, and, and guiding. And, and getting and their respect, I guess, as the, as the driver, getting the respect from the kids. Yeah that they're there for a reason to keep them safe. And when these drivers talk about behavior issues, they're not so much different from teachers describing behavior issues in in the classroom. In the classroom. And and that if the bus driver is able to get the respect of the kids, it goes a lot easier. And when they're dealing with kids that are particularly not respectful, then they need to reach out to parents and they need the cooperation of uh, 
school administration principals, and sometimes their bus company. So do they, if they have a particular group of kids that year that are really bad, mm-hmm. who do they go to first? Because I know you said they have to report bullying yeah, and things. Who so, do they go to first? Is it the school? Well, bus drivers do different things. I, I would say in general, most bus drivers are trained to report it with incident forms. So you fill out an incident form. Right. And on that form, there's a box. So if you see bullying, alcohol consumption, uh, thing really the word if you see really bad behavior Mm -hmm. you select there's a box and it says bill 157 and you check that box then you complete another piece of paperwork and that will go directly to the principal okay and then there's several copies and the principal investigates contacts the parents the parents sign the form and the paperwork comes Comes back around to the bus driver and to the company so that's one they report it to the school and they also report it to their bus company so they're aware as well to keep that going do they find all this paperwork a deterrent to to going that next step other than trying to fix it themselves on the bus well that's one of the interesting things i'm finding is that it's really up to how the school personnel deals with these bullying incidents so some bus drivers have stopped filling out this paperwork because they've done it once or twice but then they don't hear back from the school yeah nothing really happens Mm -hmm. and typically when that happens it's a combination of the school not communicating with the bus driver and the parents being uncooperative. Okay. So so in that regard, then uh, then school bus drivers uh, tend not to do the paperwork mm-hmm. and, and try and just deal with issues themselves. And a lot of these bus drivers feel like they're drowning in it. Right. When they have year after year, it's the same thing over and over with the same schools. But what's their recourse if if they're finding they're not getting any information back? What's their recourse? Well, what some in really bad incidents where you know we need to take we need to stop this behavior. This this has to stop. They'll uh, contact the bus company and their employer will go on their behalf and say, look, I have a a bus driver. In the region I did the research, there's a separate separate company that arranges all the bus routes and hires the bus companies. So they're responsible for managing because it's not just one bus company that delivers students to a school. It's several uh, mismatched together. So having a dedicated company just Mm -hmm. doing that makes sense. So you can get this third party involved as well. It becomes like the mediator then. They become a mediator. Some bus drivers want to see more out of it because sometimes what happens with the mediator, they just sort of pass the buck around and expect other people to do do it. it. But but really what a lot of bus drivers crave is just that direct connection with the school. So when that paperwork is not a direct connection to the school, I didn't talk to principals. There's recent research uh, published just a month ago in July. Oh, that's good. Who did a discourse analysis and looked at how school personnel, bus drivers, and parents perceived bullying all within uh, the same schools. And all these, pri- and most of the principals didn't really recognize that school bus drivers had anything to do with Is that right? bus behavior. They didn't recognize that you can use the school bus driver to stop bullying and that they actually see things. And, and the bus drivers were wondering like why 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 that is was there a difference in the driver's perceptions if they've got a busload of elementary school as opposed to high school or or normally are the buses mixed with both elementary and high school most of them are mixed some of them okay. are mostly Again, some and then some buses are mostly elementary, sometimes high school. A lot of buses actually have multiple runs now. 
So it is the high school kids that get picked up first, and right. they're dropped off at school by 8 in the morning. Okay. Then they do the elementary run and get them to school by 9. Did you find there was a difference in uh, the perceptions, the ones that were split? Not so much with my sample size. I talked to maybe 22 bus drivers, or, or sorry, 22 did my survey, and right. I did 10 interviews. What they saw was that the, for the age group, the worst bullying age group is from around grade 6 to grade 8. Those are the, Oh, is that right? So that's still elementary yeah, here? That's elementary. Right. Elementary is, or junior high. Or junior high, say, okay. But, but really grade 6 to grade 8. And that's consistent with bullying research in any other context. Okay. That's sort of the age where things go awry for right. for bullying. But then it drops right off uh, by high school, typically. Usually because if grade 9s act up, grade 12s will cool. not Have put a go up with them. it. And, I mean, and they're maturing, and, and they generally keep to themselves a little more. They usually have technology, so they seem to be more plugged in. Listening but, to music and everything else as yeah. opposed to what else is going on in the bus. Yeah, but they also notice bullying with very, very young children as well. So it happens in kindergarten in grade one and they see it because those students are typically sitting really close but okay it's funny even though those young students are sitting close part of the safety measures on school buses is to have the seats backs really high up so oh, okay. uh, you might remember the bus in the 1970s or 80s or 90s um, they're really low you can, you, yes. can, you can see over the over the front but not anymore you can't and, and the bus drivers can't see the kids either uh, so it uh, helps so, in one way but not another yeah so they really have to strain and pay attention to uh, pay attention to the young ones. So with your findings, what do you hope to get or have happen with it? Because I could think of a, a number of things, i.e. have the buses separated to a point, maybe even with the little ones have another adult on the bus, which I know would cost more money and everything, but at least you've got someone who can walk around as opposed to the driver who really should be concentrating on the road and making the trip safe. Mm-hmm. Is it procedural changes with, from what you said, with the, the the drivers when they're filling in the forms that there is better backup and, yeah. and feedback from from that procedure. Is there a procedure? Should there be policy changes? What are you hoping to get from all of this? Or just I'll, to alert people? Yeah, I can, I can step back just a little bit <laughs> because sure. I talked a lot about the negatives with bullying on buses, but a lot of the bus drivers don't have a problem. They don't perceive a problem with bullying on their bus. And they okay. do some and some things are different for those school bus drivers. So one of the things that's different is that they typically have a they're encouraged to connect with parents and, and school administration, whereas most bus drivers are actually discouraged from talking to parents because of liability and they don't want okay. to cause conflict with parents. Right. But most of these bus drivers are just as capable uh, school personnel as anyone and, and can communicate with parents. Right. And and typically when there's a good relationship between the parents and the school bus drivers, these bullying issues are all dealt with within the uh, before even getting to the school. Okay, um, right. So, so having parents on board and communicating with bus drivers. So that's drivers, getting them all to know each good. other. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Now when you're dealing with a difficult parent, then you need to turn to the school and then you need the school support so that you have the team of the principal and the school bus driver uh, addressing the issue with with difficult parents. Parents often undermine school bus drivers. So two bus drivers I talked to, they'll move, say, a grade a grade 10 student from the back to the front. So what the, uh, and you have to do it for 
10 days, right? Right. What the parent will do is we'll drive the student to school for 10 days. Oh, really? And then they'll put them back on the bus. <laughs> and then the bus driver will be, yeah, you're still sitting here. Yeah. And then the parent will go to the school and file a complaint. And then, but without that connection to the school, what's the principal supposed to, right. to do? They're not mm-hmm. going. The tendency is for, was for principals to typically take uh appease the parents instead of appeasing the bus driver right right yeah um so but but where where that doesn't happen there's really the bullying incidents to go right way down because the students know that they're being held accountable on, on the on these buses right so that that was a major thing in in stopping bullying on buses and what like you mentioned uh, having a bus monitor mm-hmm. on some buses where particularly there's more rambunctious kids or say some special needs students that require more attention right yeah adult bus monitors are 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 good they are expensive and it's also very difficult they need to be good at their job as well right um, Right. one bus driver who is very good at preventing bullying realized right away that the bus monitor he had on the bus was actually bullying the student they're supposed to be Uh, watching so right right away and it turns out three or four bus drivers actually quit over this issue that particular person they quit over this particular person but um, this bus driver again had was well respected and his company and said look right. uh, these bus drivers didn't quit for no reason we we had to get rid of this bus monitor and and they figured out could they not that. make a senior student a bus monitor so a lot of schools do have student bus monitors these senior students will they have two roles one of the roles is to get off the bus with the young kids and just make sure they the parents the, are there or whatever across the parents the road. are there or across the road safely okay some bus drivers love that others don't like it because well then you're just putting another child on the road every time so again that's uh, there's some debate there and sometimes these students uh, are also helping curb misbehavior right but really it's up to the bus driver and what happens is the school chooses the student and then but the school doesn't know how the student really behaves on the bus right but the bus driver does so Mm -hmm. what the bus driver will do is often just rescind the student's responsibility and say no no you're not uh, you're not gonna be yeah you're not the boss i'm the boss (laughs) (laughs) And and rightly so because yeah. they're in charge of that bus. Yeah. So there are limits to what a student bus monitor can, can do. Have you ever thought about, it was interesting you talking about, because if you don't get the parents on board, it makes things difficult. Have you ever thought about researching parents of kids that take the school bus to find out what is their perception of what goes on on the bus and what are, they, what are their expectations of that trip when their kid gets picked up taken to school and get picked up after school and brought home. What are their expectations? You've identified the recurring research gap that exists in every single study I've looked at, and including my study, is how do you reach students that ride the bus every day? Mm -hmm. And that's a challenge that researchers haven't really undertaken yet. Um, they haven't talked directly with students. They talked a little bit with parents, but right. not not a lot with students. And I think the student perceptions are the most important and what's most lacking at this point, because you see bullying research, and the, now they're starting to ask where the bullying occurs. So there's a spatial component to where bullying happens. Right. And school bus is part of the list. But what happens is the school bus data gets buried because only a fraction of students even ride the school bus. And a lot of students don't really, I'm going, this is me, uh, you know, just talking here. But a lot of, I I would guess that a lot of students may not consider the bus as part of their school day. They would consider it separate from school. Um, So in my opinion, that school bus uh, data from 
the student's perspective gets buried in general bullying research and really hasn't been brought forward. So that's very, that's very, that's the question I don't know the answer to. Right. And what about from going forward with when you've finished your writing, do you want to go out and talk to school boards or bus companies or, you know, the Parents and Citizens Association about ways that potentially we can make procedures better. Is that the kind of thing you want to do or just hand it over to the school board and the bus companies saying, look, these were the findings. Work it out, folks. How can we make it better for these kids, make it safer for these kids? Well, I can do both. Um, I want to disseminate my findings and, and get it out there. What I have done uh, while I was conducting my research, I did partner with, they're called Bully Brave. They're out of Brampton, Ontario. Okay. So I'll give them a shout out. Yes, why not? Uh, they, they, they do uh, anti-bullying workshops with kids at schools. But they also saw, they saw as well an opportunity to work with school bus companies. They had a connection with uh, one of the largest school bus fleets in Canada and uh, realized that, hey, uh, you know, school bus drivers could really use this. So I reached out to them and said, hey, you, you might want some uh, research to back up some of your uh, interventions here. Right, right. And they come from a martial arts perspective, so they focus a lot on posturing and, again, firmness and consistency, right. that sort of thing. And bus drivers, again, uh, using some of those in, uh, interventions that I found that work and combining it with that. So, yeah, partnering with organizations like that is already underway. It seems like for a lot of this, the, the bus drivers themselves need to share experiences and solutions to how yeah. each one have handled different situations on their bus. Yeah, and, and they do do that within their organizations to a point. Most bus drivers have training often, a lot of training, uh, usually great. monthly, sometimes weekly training, depending on the company. Right. And for a lot of companies, they do address student management on the bus where bullying is a component of it. Now, the issue is there's large uh, school bus companies that have very generic, uh, they have standardized uh, learning material, but you also have a lot of independents with maybe 10 or 15 buses in their fleet. Right. Sometimes they get outside people to do the bullying training. Some of them don't do any bullying training at all. So there's a so lot of inconsistency. Yes, it seems that's the first thing that needs to come into play in yeah. policy of making sure whoever is driving a school bus has yeah. a certain amount of training and then it becomes whose responsibility is it to make sure they get that training. Yeah. Yeah, and again, they they fulfill the, the legal requirements of training that's outlined. Again, but making sure that training actually addresses real problems, real problems yeah. on, on the bus is, right. is, is important. And I'm not really discovering anything new here. I'm not discovering that bullying is a problem on buses. We I think we already know that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm discovering that any new ideas around fixing bullying is just bringing those ideas forward and mobilizing that knowledge. And make yes. sure everyone's aware of what is the different areas that they, the different sides they can be looking yeah. at to try and find a solution. Because, I mean, like anything, a solution for one region might be totally different for another region, yeah, I would imagine, because it depends on the groups and how long they're on the buses and all these sorts of things. Yeah, and while I only talk to, you know, 22 bus drivers in my region where there's they have particular guidelines to follow, total pop is probably around 650 of them, so I talk to 3% or three percent of them. Right, right, uh, yeah, so and, there's a lot more. I mean, it's interesting, though, because right back in the beginning you talked about, you know, the, the definition of bullying in the education system, which really was quite narrow, 
so do the drivers understand the difference between bullying and, as you mentioned, harassment? I mean, because they are slightly different. Most of them do not. They consider just verbal uh, teasing as bullying and then anything physical becomes harassment, right. that kind of thing. So the, the actual terminology gets muddled with them. But if they see anything that re- they really think a child is being hurt, they, they tend to treat it as bullying right, and, right. and do that. And, and most bus drivers really don't really have a low tolerance for, right. for that behavior. Uh, and they're always watching for those sorts of things. And lastly, I understand you are thinking after you finish this to go on to do your PhD. Would it be in the same sort of area? Uh, yes, I will be continuing that for PhD. What I'd like to see is a large-scale assessment. Right. And my ideas for doing that would be to do it through a bus company again, but instead use a international company that has tens of thousands of right. buses on the road right. and pull data that way. This is what's interesting to me about uh, school buses is that you have all these students together being watched during their leisure time. Right. And aside from recess, you're not going to really get that data, but I think you can get that data from on a school bus. bus. And a lot, of the, a lot of school buses have cameras now as well. And oh, one, right? one researcher okay. has done research look, watching video footage of, of bullying happening on buses. But it's interesting, it's a closed environment where you can control for a lot of factors. Right, and, yes. And there's a routine Good. on the school bus. So it's. I think that, I think... It has huge potential. I think for... there's a lot of potential and I think it's still too big for PhD. <laughs> but, yeah. So I guess what we could sum up there is that all parties need to play a part in making our children safe. And students too. Uh, from my teacher training, they, they say you need to think student-centered, student-centered, and even, I'm not convinced all teachers think like student-centered, but bus the bus drivers I talk to, they care very deeply about the right. children on their bus, and they really take their job seriously. They're very passionate about it. And Which is great. Yeah. Okay, this has been a, a great topic and, and it's a, certainly a topic we could keep talking and talking and talking and it actually would be great to bring on a, a parent who has a student who either been bullied or stopped bullying on the bus. That would be an interesting interview too. So I do appreciate you coming on and talking about this research. Thank you for taking the time you have to come here. So thank you. So that's it, everyone. Another week of Grad Chat comes to an end. Don't forget you can download the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud tomorrow. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.